Hi there, my name is Layla Medeiros. I am the CMO at InfoStretch, and I am pleased to welcome you back to DTV, the Digital Transformation Channel, and very excited today to bring you Kim Palese, who is one of the most esteemed entrepreneurs, tech entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley and across the nation. Kim, I don't know where to begin in terms of giving you the credibility that you deserve in terms of this introduction. Um, named uh, Time Magazine's top 25 most influential people. Uh, also named to President Obama's Innovation Advisory Board. Uh, one of the people or amongst the team or led the team that launched Java in 90, 1995 uh, with Sun uh, Microsystems and also has a wealth of experience when it comes to artificial intelligence and automation in the early days. So Kim, I know I, I brushed upon some of those things. I'd love to see if you could give us a little bit of an introduction of, of what you're doing now mm -hmm. and also maybe some of the things that you've done in the past that, that might be of interest. Absolutely, uh, happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, and I'd say first, I've been so privileged to be part of amazing teams over uh, the last now multiple decades that I've yeah. been working in Silicon Valley. Um, and in fact, my first job in Silicon Valley was at the first AI company to go public. And uh, it was a spin out of Stanford, an incredible group of people who've gone on to do amazing things. And then uh, Sun Microsystems was an amazing place to work, being part of the Java team. Uh, was uh, just an incredible experience. And you were on the team that named it Java from uh, from uh, Oak. Oak, right. right. I was wow. the, the product manager and that was my responsibility among other things Excellent. to choose a name for Java, for Oak rather. Yeah. Um, and the reason why we chose Java, by the way, is that it was really all about waking up the web, bringing web pages to life mm -hmm. because uh, up yep. until we basically created the first interactive browser, you could only hyperlink to text. You could only ah, right. have text in a browser versus an application or a, a small program running. Um, and so that was the inspiration behind the name. But I am currently, again, part of an amazing team working on something very interesting. Uh, I'm chairman of a company called CrowdSmart, and we are bringing basically AI and collective intelligence to seed stage investing to improve success rates for both entrepreneurs and investors. Mm -hmm. So you were the founding product manager for Java. Mm -hmm. How did you get such a wide adoption of that platform across the web development community during that time? It was really actually an interesting story of how this happened. We were struggling to find a platform to release Java to the world. Um, we, it was too early for interactive TV. It was too early for handheld computing. There was no viable platform right. at the time. And basically, at that very moment, Mosaic came along, the first web browser. We downloaded and, and realized we could bring interactivity to the browser. And so we rewrote the browser and called it Hot Java and then convinced wow. Sun's CEO and board to let us give it away for free, full source code, full spec. And Was that McNeely at the McNeely, point? exactly. Okay, yeah. And Bill Joy was was helping us write the spec and, right. and it was an um, you know, incredibly exciting time. But one of the things that really made a difference was getting developers to create applets. Mm. So we, okay. before we released it, uh, reached out to all our developer friends and said, can you, can you create some applets? And so we had, we had uh, a spreadsheet that was calculating the value of a portfolio in real time. We had 
some guys at Lawrence Livermore Labs create mm -hmm. uh, an app where you could scan the image of a human body and see MRI slices in real time wow. and imagine how doctors could collaborate across the web. And all of this was just mind-blowing because up till then all you could do was hyperlink to text right. in a browser. When I think about IntelliCorp, um, mm -hmm. back at IntelliCorp we were using AI to, to basically create knowledge systems to replicate human knowledge and we were doing that in a bottom-up way mm -hmm. and so we were trying to replicate and we were replicating the expert information or knowledge behind a particular domain whether it was uh, um, guiding, you know, uh, s missile systems or improving factory performance for Boeing or wow. whatever. Okay. Um, that was a bottom-up way of basically codifying knowledge. Now we're using the data, the basically sort of the exhaust that we all give off every yep. time we use the internet, do a search or whatever. Top-down approach um, is sort of where we've been focusing, I think, over the last few years with AI and using data to create you know, to basically create algorithms right. that then make decisions. So this bottom-up, top-down approach is now, I think, starting to merge, and right. that's where we're starting to see some of the big breakthroughs happening. Yeah, and well, that was one of my questions, is the relevance of data and mm -hmm. where you're seeing it the most. Is there a specific aspect of, you know, is it about uh, the analytics and calculating the algorithms that is becoming more front and center or, or a relevant piece of the digital equation right now? Well, that and that has been the focus, is sucking up all this data and then making decisions based on what, <coughs> you know, looking backwards at decisions, at, at, at actions, at mm -hmm. activities mm -hmm. that the data then uh, was generated from. Mm -hmm. That can be, however, problematic. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we over rely on algorithms um, when those algorithms are based on very human mm -hmm. and fallible Mm -hmm. decisions. So for example, um, MIT has done, the Media Lab at right. MIT has done some very interesting work around sentencing guidelines and it turns out that the algorithms, some of the algorithms that are used to determine sentencing guidelines are based on uh, decisions that were made that, that encoded biases mm -hmm. against people based on where they live, their zip code and so forth. Okay. And so that's an example of we, you know, we have these algorithms, but just because it's an algorithm based on, you know, looking at data, looking back at data, doesn't mean that it's that it's perfect or even necessarily reliable. Right. So I think we're starting to become a little bit more uh, sophisticated right. about our understanding of AI. There's so much excitement about it, yeah. and and having lived through an AI winter, you know, yeah. <laughs> back in you know the sort of decades ago, yeah. it, everyone had huge faith in AI, and then suddenly, you know, it was sort of well, AI was under out of fashion, and now, right. uh, you know, we're seeing that sort of come back, but even more, you know, just amplified. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's it's healthy to have a skepticism about just how much we should rely on AI and the yeah. decisions that uh, are generated by looking back, you know, at just simply data alone. Right. Switching a little bit to back to uh, the organizations that are now, especially some of the larger, more enterprise-grade organizations that are now facing digital, where... Um, what, how is the agenda being defined? Is it uh, the back office that on the operations side, or is it just based on the the front where it's being defined by the customer agenda? You know, how where's the priority uh, mm -hmm. being placed um, yeah. in some of the bigger organizations that now have to plug in and adopt? Right. Um, and adapt, yeah. frankly. So yeah. I think a lot more attention is being focused on customer experience and user experience and sort of the front end. I mean, certainly 
AI and digital technologies are being mm -hmm. applied to both back end and front end. Right. Uh, but back end has been really a lot of the focus, I think, for for many companies. And now they're starting to realize that you know how people use the the application that they're providing, how they access information, mm -hmm. is really important. And mm -hmm. they need to adopt to how the customer mm -hmm. actually wants to receive information or interact with that company versus sort of force one way of doing things. Right. And right. it's a very competitive environment. I think it's a good thing that companies are now being much more aware of, of the need to create a compelling environment and yeah. one that's friendly and accessible and convenient. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of, um, again, going back to the enterprise, because uh, a lot of the, the early stage companies that we work with, they're digital first. They they sort yeah. of get it. They're they're on their on a you know faster path. Um, the the case with uh, AI in, in terms of being enterprise ready um, is AI enterprise ready. Are enterprises really you know getting to the point where they're implementing this as part of their operations and getting results and naming the you know individuals that need to really be part of this uh, initiative or. Or is it sort of an early stage um, process for, for a lot of them right now? And you yeah. being at a company that is, um, is, is solving that problem from an AI perspective, a startup, where do you, where do you see that happening? Right. Or do uh, you see that happening? It is still early days for AI and it enterprise is. adoption, no question about that. Yeah. And again, I think that we are, we're moving from a sort of the first you know, in this new era of AI, because mm -hmm. there have been several generations previously uh, that have, that where businesses have used AI in, mm -hmm. in some forms, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but we're now moving from a phase of really focusing on the data generating the algorithms okay. to being more critical about so again, it goes the algorithms the and the human yeah. decisions that went right. into the data. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, deep learning is part of machine learning and the, the whole area right. around how do we, how do we create um, sort of decision trees. But again, we need to even take a step back further to right. how did those decisions how did the system make those decisions? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the focus is now, which I think is good, right, um, right. taking a more critical approach. Right, so we're on our way. We are. What, what would you suggest to a lot of these organizations that are trying to implement Agile or you know, get on a path to digital as, as far as suggestions? You were at Sun, big, mm -hmm. big company. You're now at a, a startup or early stage company. What, what would you suggest or any particular yeah, I think uh, first of all, look at best practices. Who who out there is really um, embracing the technology in a way that's uh, you know uh, responsible, right? And uh, and also you know using it in very specific ways, not mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily thinking, okay, I'm just going to apply a, a layer of AI to everything I do, right, right? Not understanding what AI really means, and exactly. AI is being overused as a term. It's it been is applied to so much. ML that, AI, yeah, it's yeah, a it's AR, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's a ton of hype around AI, and right. I think it's important that companies don't get caught up in that, mm -hmm. uh, and that they also they bring in. You know, people into the organization that that have a, a deep background. And right. I know it's difficult to recruit uh, talented people yeah, yeah. Um, who do have experience, but it's important to to not just sort of uh, think you can add some magic AI sauce yeah, and, or, and you know, transform make, your organization. You know, one department, the head of that division, which right. has no experience right. in that regard right. as well. Right. Excellent. Well, are there any other um, uh, topics that you think would be important for some of the um, 
companies right now that are embarking on or in in the midst of their sort of digital uh, journey, mm -hmm. <laughs> as they say? Yeah, um, that's a that's a really interesting question. One of the areas that I'm really excited about right now is is collective intelligence, and okay. that's a combination yeah. of human and machine intelligence mm -hmm. in making decisions. And it really is based mm -hmm. on the science of diversity, mm -hmm. um, and diversity in every sense. Mm -hmm. And and that means. Um, basically, you know, cultural gender, yes, but also industry experience, right. a role, um, technical background or business background, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, basically, everything that makes up an individual, a unique individual. We're using collective intelligent, intelligence at CrowdSmart to make better decisions about startup investing. Um, one of the things that we've, we've learned through the science of diversity is we make better decisions when we have more diversity in you know the inputs right, that, right. that lead into that decision. Interesting. And yeah. there have been a number of books written about this, a ton of research that's going on to this very day, and a lot of big breakthroughs that are happening. But to me, organizations that really want to be at the forefront mm -hmm. of, uh, of you know, their sector, uh, they should make sure that they're including diversity in every sense, and not just as a checkbox, right. but, but in making really critical decisions. Are you getting enough inputs from different sources. Right. Are you talking with the, the people, not just the management, but the actual, you know, yeah. you know, individual contributors who right. might have in insights that you can't possibly have because you're right. not sitting with a customer. And you can everywhere. aggregate that and then into a database and do analytics and right. and it goes back to the point that you were making earlier, the data. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So and that's being intelligent about what you're doing with all the data that you have around you. That's right. That you may not have access to but right. can from another source. Yeah. Right. I, so I that combination of human huge. and machine intelligence is so important yeah. and the, the diversity in, in, in inputs. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's one of the areas what I that I think we'll see a lot of really interesting breakthroughs happening. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she was, you know, a little bit put off about the potential of having a chip in her arm to track where it is that she goes to then provide some intelligence about, you know, some of the basic habits and, and things that, that she hmm. could do. But that I see that being part of the future and, and probably millennials will accept that and will not have a problem with it. Right, so. that's true. There's yeah. a whole new generation growing up very comfortable with you know, digital technology in every element yeah. of their lives. Um, Even inside their bodies. <clears throat> inside their bodies, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and so I think um, companies need to understand that the customer is changing. Right. And also that there, there are ways of harnessing this technology that, that may be, you know, um, they haven't thought of. Right. And including this younger generation in right. those decisions yeah. is really crit critical. Yeah. Well, this was great. Thank you, Kim. Absolutely, this was my pleasure. extremely helpful for both uh, the bigger companies as you are embarking on your digital journey or in the midst of it, as well as some of the early stage startups uh, digital first. Some insight from somebody with a wealth of experience uh, in, in all, all things digital. Kim, thank you so much for being with my us pleasure. today on DTV. My and pleasure. this thank concludes you. our episode of DTV. Thank you, everybody. I want my DTV!